about a lady that's walking down the beach one day and she sees a bottle and she stoops over to pick it up and it's covered with sand and so she goes to brush it off and all of a sudden, poof, a genie popped out and said, your wish is my command. You have one wish, whatever you wish for. So the lady thought about it a minute. She reached down into her purse. She pulled out a map, a world map, a map of the world. She pointed to the Middle East and she said, my wish is that there would be peace in the Middle East. And the genie said, woman, are you crazy? He said, do you know how long those people have been at each other's throats? He said, there, there's centuries of animosity and it all generates not only, you know, from um, different ethnic groups, but different religions and mindsets. You're going to have to make another wish. Surely there's something else you wish for. And she thought about it and she said, well, okay. She said, well, I've always wanted a husband. She said, but I don't want a typical husband. She said, I want a husband that's considerate and kind and doesn't like to fish, doesn't like to hunt. He's not interested in football. He just wants to help me around the house and watch romantic comedies with me. (laughs) Jenny looked at the lady and he goes, let me see that map again. (laughs) Y'all like that? I'm I'm starting a new series today called Peace on Earth and Goodwill Toward Men. Think about that. Peace on Earth, Goodwill Toward Men. Christmas was the birth of the Prince of Peace. It was Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, who had predicted that the Messiah would come. And Isaiah announced that his name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then Isaiah said his name will be Prince of Peace. I want you to think about the implications of that, that this prince of peace came that he might reign over our lives, our existence, and that he might do so with peace, that that he might govern our lives, that he might govern how we do life, how we interact with one another, and that he would do that, he would carry out that governance through his peace. Peace is a big deal to God. When that Messiah arrived, We know from Luke's gospel chapter two that the angels filled the heavenly skies as they appeared to some shepherds right outside of Bethlehem. And this is the words of the song they sang that night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So what we see is that the purpose of Christmas was peace, that we would have peace with God and that we could have peace between ourselves. It was the mission of Christmas. It was the purpose of Christmas. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna really unpack that statement that the angels made with that song. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. What does that look like? What's it supposed to look like in our everyday lives? We're gonna unpack that together this month through this message series. But let me begin with this observation. The purpose of Christmas should be our pursuit. If the purpose of Christmas was peace, then peace should be our pursuit. But if we're going to be honest, I don't know that any of us really have that on kind of the top of our priority list. I don't know that we even give that much thought to it. We just kind of go along with life, with the ebbs, with the flows. And if we're going to be honest, many of us live constantly in conflict. And how many know that was never God's intention for you? God doesn't want you living in that constant conflict. No, he wants to reign over your life, over your relationships, over how you do life. He wants to reign over you in peace. He wants to bring that kind of governance. And so we should make that our pursuit. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, really 
brings further credibility to this whole thought when he writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with everyone. I'm gonna let you stop for just a moment and get that person's face out of your head for just a minute, yeah. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness for without it, no one will see the Lord. If you've been around the Bible taught at all, if you've been around church for any length of time, you know that we regularly point to the reality that without holiness, no man shall see God. And we get that. We understand that to really see God for who he is, we have to embrace the holy lifestyle that he expects from us. But I want you to see that the writer, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us this instruction, makes no difference between peace and holiness. Not only will we not see God without holiness, we won't see God without peace. That's why we should pursue peace. That's why peace needs to be the pursuit of our life. We'll never really see God for who he is. We'll never really experience him for who he is. As long as we're allowing discord within our life, as long as we're allowing these rifts between us, not only will we, will we not see God like he wants us to see him move in our lives, but you know what? Our world will really never get a glimpse of who God really is until God's people comes under the reign of the Prince of Peace and allows his peace to govern how we live and how we love and how we do life. Y'all with me? The purpose of Christmas should be our pursuit. And can I, just, can I just state this? Maybe it's the obvious, but let me state it anyway. In a fallen world, and, and our world is definitely fallen, it doesn't take a, a lot to figure out that ours is a broken world, amen? And in a fallen world, peace doesn't just happen, y'all. You notice that? Peace doesn't just happen. It has to be pursued. We have to get intentional about a life of peace. And yet, I wonder how many of us have that way up on our priority list today. To live at peace, in peace with God and in peace with our fellow man. Again, it's something that's going to have to be pursued. We're gonna have to get intentional about it. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew's gospel, chapter five and verse nine. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Notice that he didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. Sometimes we'll commit ourselves to that, but God's saying, listen, I'm not just calling you to keep the peace, I'm calling you to make peace where peace has never existed. He says, that is the role that I've given you in a fallen, broken world to be a peacemaker, to allow me to use you to create peace where it never was. First Peter chapter three, verse 10 and 11 says this. It says, people who want to live a full life and enjoy good days. Can we just stop real quick? How many, that sounds pretty good to you, right? A full life. And good days. I really believe most of us aren't living out the fullness of life that God intends for us. And he says that if you want to live a full life and enjoy good days, you've got to keep your tongue from saying evil things. You've got to keep your lips from speaking deceitful things. You've got to turn away from evil and do good. You've got to seek peace and pursue it. So God says, listen, Here's how you become a peacemaker. You get intentional about it. You stop 
lying to one another. You stop deceiving one another. You stop saying all the evil things that you've been saying. In fact, you turn away from evil. You begin to do good. And then you just seek peace. You put it as your priority. You pursue it. You get intentional about it. Romans 14, verse 19. I hope you guys don't mind if we study the Bible today. Is that all right with everybody? Yep, you good with that? Okay, good, good, good. We're going to do it anyway. Romans chapter 14 and verse 19 said, so then let us pursue what makes for peace. Now that's interesting. He said, let us pursue what makes for peace and for building one another up. Where all these other passages have talked about pursuing peace, Paul writes here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans. And he says, really pursue the things that make for peace. In other words, there are some things that are going to generate peace within your life. And those are the things that you are going to pursue if you're genuinely going to pursue peace. Uh, it's a lot like what I learned from a business book that I read a couple of years ago. If you're a business owner or a business manager, I highly recommend this book. Um, it's not written by a Christian author as far as I know, um, but there's definitely uh, biblical principles all through this book. Uh, the book is called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And the book is designed to help us to, to meet our, our goals, corporate goals. Goals, uh, is what the book is dedicated to, but it, it works with our personal goals, our family goals. And, and what the book teaches is that we focus on what the book describes as a lag measure, what we want to happen. In, in, in the case that we're studying here this morning, that would be peace. We want peace. We focus on that as the end goal. But the book says what you don't need to focus on so much is the lag measure as much as the lead measure. What are the things that are going to lead towards the lag measure, which is the end goal? Uh, let me give you an example uh, with uh, weight loss. After all, we just got through with Thanksgiving. Come on, and we all overate, right? Aren't you thankful that overeating isn't the unpardonable sin? Aren't you thankful for that? Um, but um, so, so we're here maybe, and we've got 10 or 15 pounds that we're needing to get rid of. And, um, and so that's, in our minds, the goal. I'm... I'm 170 pounds, I wanna be 150 pounds. And so we make that the goal. Where that's the lag measure, what we need to do is focus on the lead measure, which is diet, right? Calorie count, uh, exercise, how much we're you know, physically moving around. Those are lead measures that will set the stage for the lag measure. Now let's apply this to peace. If our goal is peace, and it should be, we should be, prioritizing and pursuing the purpose of Christmas, which is peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so if that's our pursuit, then we need to put some lead measures in place. What I want to talk to you about over the next few moments really describes those lead measures. How do we pursue peace? Number one, we pray. Prayer is instrumental if we're ever going to know real peace within our life. In fact, let me just go ahead and say it as plainly as I know how, you'll never truly know a life of peace without prayer. You just won't. You'll never know peace like God intended you to without prayer. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven read like this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I frequently make this observation. What we do is we worry about everything and pray about very little. God said, flip the script on that and begin to pray about everything. You don't have to worry about anything if you pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank God for all that he's done. And then, when? 
when you've put this lead measure of prayer in place, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that has experienced that kind of peace. It's a peace that you couldn't describe, you couldn't explain. Listen, it was beyond your comprehension, but God gave you peace when you needed it. Can I hear from you today? You'll never know. You'll never know that peace that guards your hearts and minds until you're praying. And here's why. Prayer changes things. I could have used a better amen than that. I said prayer changes things. And before you're quick to sign up for prayer because you want everything to change, let me just mention that the greatest aspect of prayer changing things is the fact that it changes us. Now, 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 now you're backing up. <laughs> now you're going to crawfish on me. You were ready to pray as long as we were talking about that other person changing. Huh? As long as it meant circumstances were going to change. Listen, God's fully capable of that, but he wants to start with me. He wants to start with you. He wants to start by changing us. When we posture ourselves before God prayerfully, God can begin to bring about some changes in us, our attitude, our actions. Listen, he can begin to change some things about us that will allow us to know a peace that cannot be explained. Now, I know some of you, man, the the subject or the topic of prayer is totally intimidating for you. So here's what we do as a church as a lead measure to help us to achieve the lag measure we have of having a praying church, a church made up of praying people. The lead measure we take is we do prayer campaigns. Twice a year, we do prayer campaigns. We do a seven-day campaign in the fall. We do a 21-day campaign every first of the year, every January. We'll be getting that kicked off here on the 5th of January. We're gonna kick off our our prayer campaign. And every morning from 6 to 7 a.m., we're gonna be here praying. We'll gather on Saturdays at 8 a.m., just going after God. And one of the reasons we do that is to model prayer for you so you can really learn how to pray and you can begin to just implement that prayer life day to day. It will be life changing for you. And today I just want to call on you right now, right here. Again, we're a good month away from this, but I want you to make up your mind right now. I'm going to be a part of the 21 days of prayer and fasting that our church is going to engage in. You may not be able to be here every morning, but you're going to be here as many mornings as you can to join in with us and really let God work some miracles in our life, our church, our community. How many still believe he's a miracle working God. Well, let's demonstrate that by going after God in prayer and let's secure God's peace within our life by implementing the lead measure of prayer. The second one that I want to point to is this. How do we pursue peace? Number one, we pray. Number two, we steward our thought life. Once again, let me say, you'll never have a peaceful existence if you're not stewarding your thoughts. If you're allowing your thoughts to run off any direction the enemy wants to take them, you'll never know a life of peace. But you've got to learn how to steward your thought life. Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, all whose thoughts are fixed on him. 
Let's stop fixing our thoughts on the problem and start fixing our thoughts on the solution. Let's stop fixing our thoughts on the world and what the world says. And let's start fixing our thoughts on God and what God says. Listen to Romans chapter 8 verse 6. He says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. We've got to steward our thought life because letting our sinful nature control our mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Come on, how many want peace in your life? Say, I do. Then we've got to steward our thought life and we've got to let the spirit control what we're focused on in our thought life. In fact, the fruit of pursuing peace will not only be peace itself, but will also be God's joy within our life. And all of us could use a little bit more joy, couldn't we? There's another Christmas theme that I want us to fully embrace all year long is the joy that God has come to provide us all. Listen to Proverbs 12 and verse 20. Proverbs 12, 20 says, deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. What do you have on your planner? What are you planning? What kind of plan do you have to walk in peace with God and your fellow man? Listen, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. You gotta get a plan in place and the plan you put in place has to be a plan that's going to lead to peace. The Bible says when you do that, God will see to it that your heart is filled with joy, but with no plan for peace, guess what? Your whole life's gonna be a war. Your whole life is going to be a struggle. And many in this room, you've lived your whole life that way from one struggle to the next. It was never God's intention for you. Listen, I'm not saying we're never gonna have any challenges. I'm saying God's gonna reign over our life with peace that cannot even be explained or described. You want that? Say, I want it. Well, then we gotta pray and we've gotta steward our thought life. And then thirdly, we've gotta live by the Bible. We've gotta live by the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 165 said, there is lasting peace for those who love God's teaching. Nothing can make those people stumble. Now, God's teaching is right there in the Bible. It's in the word of God. And the scripture said, if you love his teaching, if you love the word, if you commit yourself to it, if you apply it and live by it, he said, there'll be lasting peace for you. And he said, there'll be nothing that can make you stumble. We don't have to stumble through life. We don't have to stumble our way through marriage. We don't have to stumble our way through parenting. If we'll commit ourselves to the word of God, to what it teaches. And if we'll begin to apply it, listen to what Jesus prayed for you in John 17, verse 17. He prayed, God, sanctify them. And that word means set them apart, set them apart by the truth. And then he clarified it by saying this, your word is truth. God set them apart through your word. God's gonna set us apart as a people of peace as we heed what the word of God teaches and as we apply it. Now that was Jesus' prayer. Listen to Paul's prayer for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. May the God of peace himself sanctify you, there's that word again, set you apart completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, your spirit will be set apart. Your desires, your motives will be set apart. Your soul 
your thought life, your, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body, your actions, your deeds, how you treat people, all of that will be set apart as God sanctifies you through the truth of his word. Let me give you one more passage. You said you didn't mind if we study the Bible. So here we go, Philippians chapter four, verse nine. Paul writes and says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then, somebody say then. Then. When, after you've applied everything that you've learned from me, he says, then the God of peace will be with you. Now, this is another one of those topics that I think is intimidating to some folks here. Like prayer, the Bible is something you, you, you just go, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know if I really understand what it's saying or how to apply it. We want to help you with that. Again, we put a lead measure in place so that our lag measure of being a church dedicated to the word of God, a church made up of people dedicated to the word of God would be realized. The lead measure we put in place to achieve that lag measure is our spiritual growth groups. They happen in our small groups. One of them is called Foundations. And in that group, we're going to teach you how to study the Bible, how to apply it. And you'll begin to learn and grow uh, in all of the spiritual disciplines You'll have a chance to sign up for that in January, but we want to help you. We want yours to be a life of peace. The fourth thing that we need to do in order to pursue peace, along with prayer and stewarding our thought life and committing ourselves to the word of God is number four, we need to pursue to be righteous rather than right. We need to be righteous rather than right. I am convinced that most of our conflict stems from our unwavering devotion to prove we're right to everybody. How do I know that? I read your Facebook page. (laughs) Come on, guys. Can we make it our goal to be righteous? Let God distinguish who's right. Come on, y'all. And let's just be righteous. Let's just live as God would have us. Let's live to please God. James 3 verse 18 said, those who are peacemakers, and remember, that's who Jesus said he wanted us to be. James says, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. How do you do that? By seeking to please God, not yourself. By seeking to please God, not some other person. We need to seek to please God and the result will be a harvest of righteousness. And listen to Proverbs 16, verse seven. When people's lives please the Lord, when you live to please not yourself or others, but to please God, the Bible said when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. I speak that over you this morning in Jesus' name. Because there's people right now that you have been in a constant state of conflict with people you really care about, maybe for years. And the Bible said, if you'll make pleasing God your pursuit, even your enemies will live at peace with you. Somebody say, I receive that. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17 said, the fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Watch this. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Does that sound like a good life to you? Quietness and confidence. Let me say it again. Quietness and confidence instead of noise and negativity. So many of our lives are marked by noise and negativity. And God said, I want to replace all that 
with quietness and with confidence. One more time. Can somebody say, I receive. Let me wrap up this message today by just making this request of you. This Christmas, let's make peace more than just a Christmas carol. Let's make it more than just the words of a song we sing this time of year. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, peace is not merely a distant goal that we seek, but a means by which we arrive at the goal. What's he saying? Dr. King is saying, use lead measures. Don't just focus on lag measures. You use lead measures because peace isn't merely a distant goal that we seek. It's a means by which we arrive at that goal. And the goal should be peace. The Bible said, pursue peace. First John chapter three, verse 18. John writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in this last verse here in our study today. He says, dear children, we must show love through actions that are sincere, not through empty words. In other words, don't just talk about peace, make peace. In um, 1983, there was a Korean passenger plane that was shot down when it drifted over into Soviet airspace by uh, a military major, um, a Russian major. Uh, His name was uh, Osipovich. The interesting thing about his story, again, he shot down this passenger plane, 240 innocent passengers were killed. The interesting thing about this story is he wasn't even supposed to be in the air in flight that day. He wasn't supposed to be on duty, but he had actually changed his schedule around so that the next day he could be at his children's school to speak to their class about peace. He rearranges his schedule so he can talk to school kids about peace and in the meantime, shoot innocent people out of the sky. And I just see in that a picture of the church. Can we get real? Can can we get real here today? Because we talk a good game and we talk about peace a lot, but all the while we're shooting people down left and right. We're shooting them down through our words. We're shooting them down through how we treat them. We're shooting them down through our attitude. And God said, listen, I can't bless that. I cannot bless that. But I can bless someone who rises up in my name, not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord, and becomes a peacemaker. A peacemaker on earth, even as it is in heaven. You want it? Say, I want it. 